Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you today. We have got a great show in store for you. But before we dive in, I want to take a moment to share about one of our incredible partners, Crew. I'm so grateful we get to partner with Crew. It's just that the Bible has meant so much in my life. I mean, you guys know that. You hear me talk about it all the time. I want everyone to be able to experience that same transformation, and so does Crew. But imagine for a moment that you couldn't get a Bible, that you couldn't just pop on Amazon or into your local bookstore and grab one, that you couldn't afford one, or that you aren't even allowed to have one. That's the reality for people all around the world. It's wild to think about, but there are people who simply can't can't get a Bible. And that's why we feel so excited and honored to partner with Crew. Crew is one of the largest evangelical organizations in the world with over 25,000 missionaries in almost every country. Crew is giving Bibles around the world to people in their own heart language and sharing the hope of Jesus. But here's where they need your help. For only $21 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. And when you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $21, Crew will provide meals to five hungry families through their humanity humanitarian aid ministry. God, is that like the coolest or what? And as a thank you, you'll get a free copy of my book. That sounds fun. Simply text FUN to 71326 to help today. Imagine just how much this gift could change someone's life. So text FUN to 71326. That's F-U-N to 71326 to help now or visit give.crew.org slash FUN. Today on the show, I get to talk to my sweet friend, Maddie Selectman. Maddie Jackson Selectman is a certified sommelier and used to own a wine bar here in Nashville. A pivotal moment in her story came when she tragically lost her husband of less than a year, Ben Selectman, in September of 2018, after he suffered a traumatic brain injury while they were on vacation in Florida. Maddie is pushing forward and has dedicated herself to helping others. Maddie and her business partner started a philanthropic merchandising brand dubbed Nashville in order to help women and children in need, specifically orphans, widows, and trafficked women. Her new book, Lemons on Friday, is a, I'm telling y'all, it is a beautifully written account of the perspective and hope that have carried her through what was crippling grief. Y'all, she is incredible. Her ability to hold joy and sadness, grief and sorrow at the same time, make her the perfect guest for us here, the perfect friend for us to hear from. And her book, Lemons on Friday, really is extraordinary. This is such a special one, and I cannot wait for y'all to hear her wisdom. So here's my conversation with new author and my friend, Maddie Slickman. Maddie, thanks for being on That Sounds Fun today. Oh my gosh, I have been a fan for so long, so I'm really excited. <laughs> You're very sweet. The, the feelings are very mutual. I mean, when we met the day in person the first time, the day we recorded the episode with Lauren Akins yes. on her podcast, yeah. how did you and Lauren meet? We met through my organization, Nashville. So when we launched, uh, we were trying to find nonprofit partners to serve um, vulnerable children domestically and overseas. And mm-hmm. so we work with foster care programs locally um, for the domestic. And then we work with Love One um, for the overseas. Oh, cool. So that's how we connected. What makes you care about specifically that deeply about foster care? So Brooke, my co-founder um, with Nashville, she's an adoptive mom. And oh, so cool. she has a biological son and then adopted her daughter, Louie five years ago, five, six years ago. And that truly just broke her heart for that whole world Mm -hmm. and the system. And when we got together to start building Nashville and sort of the missions we wanted to serve, that was on her heart. And then 
because in scripture it says take care of orphans and widows. Yeah. We added that as our second mission just strictly oh, because of scripture. Yeah. And, you know, at that point I was 28, she was 30. We were like, we have no idea what this means or right. how we're going to do this, right. but God says it. So we'll figure it out. Right. Uh, and then added our third mission, trafficking. But mm-hmm. that's how all of that kind of came about. And we thought because Brooke's adoption was domestic, we wanted to be able to serve different foster care and adoption groups in in Nashville and in Tennessee, Mm -hmm. um, but also wanted to represent vulnerable children overseas. And so just given the Marinics and how amazing they are, and we sort of have like close family ties. um, And then Lauren being such a light for it, it just like, it made sense. Like it was just a Nashville run organization by awesome women. So Yeah. yeah. Does Nashville have a brick and mortar? We don't. It's okay. all online, okay. which truthfully we are so thankful for after last year right? because <laughs> it was a consideration. Right. And now, I mean, what a blessing. Yes. I heard a stat today that one in three mom and pop stores closed in 2020. <sighs> I mean, that, that is heartbreaking. I believe that. That is awful. So here's all the things you are. You are an author. Your book, Women's on Friday, comes out tomorrow. You are a sommelier. Did I say that correctly? Yes, you did. Nailed it. You owned a wine bar here. I did. What was it? Which one? Uh, it was called Salt and Vine. It was on the west side, on yes. Charlotte, yes. for a couple of years. Oh, it was my gosh. also yellow. Yes, so yes, it was. My, that's my color. I loved it. Okay, now, good to know that. <laughs> yeah. And Nashville. Like, are you just an entrepreneur in your heart? Do you just like learning things? <laughs> Do you know what's hilarious? I never took one business class in college, and so I, like, actually giggle when people are like, oh, you're an entrepreneur, which I guess on paper I am. But uh-huh. yes, I just am an obsessive learner and I am a project to project person. Yeah. And that just is sort of how I'm fulfilled. So who knows what the next thing is. I was about to ask you because <laughs> you have a podcast as well. Yes. Right. We, we do that for Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. So what is the next thing? That's what I want to know. I'll let you know. <laughs> you have to have me back. Tell me how great it is knowing everything about wine. I think that would be so fun to because it's so spiritual. Yes, yes. Well, let me tell you, first of all, on a non-spiritual level, it is a blessing and a curse because I'm just am a very overeducated consumer. And like (laughs) anything, you know what things cost and you know how they're overpriced and you know where to find This is me with Oreos, just to be clear. I understand the situation with Oreos. Is there a term for that like sommelier? No, I'm going to make one now. I'm going to make one now. Oreo? Oreo Oh, my we're going to derail real fast. Um, no, we're going to create that words. We're going to create. So you just know too much to be a casual. Tonight at dinner, I'll have a Chardonnay. Yes. You know too much. Um, honestly, no, I'm very grateful now. And and that you're right when you say that whole journey into wine was a deep dive that I didn't expect. Like my parents never were wine people. Yeah. Um, growing up. And I just always loved food and flavor and culture. And it fascinated me. And I fell in love with it shortly after college and mm-hmm. just got a gig bartending in a steakhouse because yeah. I have an English degree and hi, people don't bang down your door to give you a job. <laughs> right, So right. I was bartending at a steakhouse. And yeah. since there's such a wine presence in steakhouses, I started studying with our sommelier there and like doing inventory for him just to learn. And because I'm a three and I'm crazy, <laughs> I was like, I have to be the best at this. Like right. I can't just know a little bit. I have to be a psalm. Right. So that's what I did. And it led to the restaurant here, which... I had for two years, and it was so rewarding and difficult and awful and wonderful all at the same time. I would imagine the challenge of Salt and Vine at the time is you were pioneering that road. There were not 
when Salt and Vine was yeah. over there, it was literally like Avo and you. And yeah. that was it. <laughs> That's true. When people went over to Charlotte, you were kind of like, I'm either going yeah. to Salt and Vine or I'm going to Avo. And that was it. And now it is. Oh, yeah. It is a whole new village. It's a whole new Definitely. neighborhood full of places. Would you do it again now? I think I'm probably out yeah. on hospitality. <laughs> yeah, cool, 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 Andy. I don't um, care how many people are there. So realistically, no. Um, if I were to do it again, I think I just went in a little early, yeah. like you're saying. I think now it would definitely have had more success than it did, even though it was successful. But, yes. you know, it was it was just as much a lifestyle and sort of spiritual choice to close mm. as it was a financial. But, I mean, like everything, you look back and the the people and the skill sets and you know, the pieces that God continues to pull from that into Nashville, into the book, into my life yeah. is remarkable. I mean, nothing's wasted. Yes. So Yes. Tell me what you know about God from studying grapes and vines and wine. I mean, you write about Ooh, it in Lemons yeah. on Friday. You write about yeah. John 15. Oh, that's a good question. Should we just call Beth Moore? Is yeah. that what her book's about? <laughs> Man, have you read it? <laughs> no, I haven't. It's oh, on my, yeah, on my desk. Should. It's so good. You know what? I think, I think it shows his patience. Mm which is he maxes out on me on a daily basis, Same I assure you. Um, but I think there's just such a diligence and a gentleness to the whole process. And just like nothing about it is fast. Mm -hmm. Like even cultivating the ground and once you plant the vines, you know, you can't really get a viable grape for three years and then much less, you know, a fine three wine. Three years? Like, and that's just I like, everything. that's like Boda Box stuff. <laughs> but like, for real premium wines. I this mean, episode brought to you by Boda Box, I know. by the way. So oh, that, no, just kidding. That hurts. Um, <laughs> you know, but it, it can be everywhere from eight to 10 years before you get a really oh premium, you know, grape out of that. And then the harvesting and the vinification and, you know, aging them for anywhere from one to five years. And yeah. just, I don't know, I think there's a longevity and a, and a patience that has to be there yes. that I'm like, there's a reason that God used that analogy yeah. because... I can't imagine the amount of patience he has yes. to have with the whole world because I know how much he has to have with me. Right. You know? I um, When I went out to Napa, I can't remember the name of the winery. Some girlfriends that I went, maybe it had, we could ask Cassie Kelly because it was her recommendation, but it was Washington something. And the the woman is showing us the vines. Like we're out in mm -hmm. them and we were there in February. So she was like, watch these guys. They're just cutting everything back. Yeah. And, and I'm, crying. I mean, I am literally <laughs> tears crying, listening to her be like, we have to cut them back. Yeah. If we didn't cut them back, we wouldn't get a harvest next year. Yep. And so we have to pick which ones are being cut off. And, which, and I'm just like, don't, I, don't I, cut know, them off. I know what you're saying. It's <laughs> happening in my life. I just think it is. There, there is hardly a thing that feels as parallel yeah. as vines yeah. and grapes and wine. And it is wild. Yeah. Well, and that even speaking about the pruning, I mean, I, I use that term sort of in the book as well, yes. but on page 96. Oh actually. my gosh. That's, you do have great notes. I told uh, you. I read it. But, uh, you know, that is, I think that's part of to like dive into the deep end here, but yeah. that's one of the hardest parts of this Christian walk, isn't it? Like that's part of what you learn about God in suffering is that not that he wants you to suffer, but he will let parts of your faith be pruned away so mm -hmm. that you have a richer understanding of who he is. And, you know, in the book I talk about, for me, that was an understanding of prayer and like, what does it mean to pray in my case specifically for, for healing, for yeah. physical healing? Yeah. And so, yeah, that visual of not just cutting the like leafy greens back that like keep uh -huh. the grapes comfy and cozy, 
but really inhibit their growth. It's like sometimes yes. they cut some of the fruit off too. Yes. This conversation, we've been having this exact conversation about how do you know when something's been cut off or when it's been pruned because it actually looks the same. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so time will tell you yeah. whether fruit's going to come back or not. But also, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm presenting this to you as for you to correct me. Yeah. But I, I, what I've been saying to myself is, Jesus says in John 15 that, that the gardener cuts back what is fruitful. Mm -hmm. And so if it was fruitful before, but it's getting cut back, that means it's going to come back. But right. if it wasn't fruitful before, that's a cutoff. Right. Right. That's what I'm trying to tell myself. Hey. <laughs> in the midst of ye pruning. I know. I'm I know. trying to you're tell like, myself. Come back, come back, right. come back. <laughs> right. You're coming back, right? You're coming back, right? That was fruitful, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I want you to give us a overview of your story. Yeah. Can we first talk about that your dad is Alan Jackson? Yes. I just would like people to know that way down yonder on the Chattahoochee is your life verse. It's it's true. <laughs> it's true. You know, actually, my life verse is here in the real world because it was his oh, first number one song. title track of his first album. And it went number one, like, I think May before I was born in June. Oh, my god! And so that's how they call I have two younger sisters. Yeah. So, like, I'm the here in the real world baby. Okay. My middle sister actually is the Chattahoochee baby. Oh, wow. And then my younger sister was between the devil and me, which was just really yeah. poor timing. <laughs> and I just, she's probably in therapy about it. It's right. not her fault. She's actually the sweetest of all three of us. So, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but, yes. So, yes, he is Alan Jackson. And I think I'm very grateful. He's always encouraged me to well, do whatever I want, sure. as a good dad does. Sure. But I think I've had an interest in heart and writing since college. And yeah. he just sort of said, I mean, literally said after college, I think you have this gift, but you need to go live your life. And that's wow. what you'll write about. And wow. I mean, that's sure what enough. happened. And your mom is a New York Times bestselling author. Yes, yes. So she... them writing the foreword, I was like, well, duh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't have wanted anybody else. Sure. Tell us a little bit of your story. What is the book about? Yeah. So the book is essentially a look at my, at this point, three-year journey through grieving my husband, Ben, who I fell in love with so fast uh, six years ago. And we were together, dated for a year, engaged for a year, and then got married in October of 2017. And um, he had a very freak accident in September of 2018. Um, we were in Florida. My parents have a place there. We go a lot and um, was climbing back up onto the boat and it had rained and his just sandal hit the steps the wrong way and he fell back probably about 10 feet given how high the boat was and how tall he was onto a concrete dock. And from there ended up 12 days. And you days. watched it? Did you see him fall? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it, it, not that, I don't know if people want to hear the whole story, but you know, when he fell, he kind of hit his head like you'd see in high, like a high school football player and just kind of shook it off and, yeah. you know, was awake. And by the grace of God, there were two off-duty EMTs at the little tiki bar where we were, yeah. and they said, you know, you need to take him to the ER. So we went, and they were, you know, cautious, but it, it still didn't seem super traumatic. They were yeah. like, we're probably going to have a little bit of brain swelling. We need to watch him. They did say there's a possibility we'll have to do some surgery, um, but not yet. And so that first 24 was hours. was he awake still at that point? Yeah. So you are first, just like talking and he's like, I have a headache. And I mean, he was disoriented, yeah. definitely, and in pain. Um, but we could communicate and he knew who everybody was. And, yeah. um, and then from there, 
this the swelling got more severe. They had to take him in and do a craniotomy, and then he was in a medically induced coma for the next eleven days and multiple brain surgeries and the whole thing. And then, you know, eventually on day I guess almost twelve, they had had three days in a row where the intracranial pressure was right where they wanted it. And you know, his dad and I went to speak to the neurosurgeon, and you know, she says we're going to start pulling him off the medicine. Like they're still could be some, you know, there could be some severe side effects in personality and judgment. And so, you know, at this point, I'm bracing for like two years and of of rehab and like maybe yes. he can walk, maybe he can't, maybe he's not the person I married. Like I yeah, have to love him anyway. For better or for worse stuff is, is yeah, kicking it, in in your brain. Of yeah. Like now so I have a husband that I might take care of the rest of our lives. not be the same man yes. that I married. Yes. And so, you know, wow. but at that point she said, neurologically, this shouldn't be, you know, fatal. We're going to do one more scan. She comes back and they he's, said that to you. Well, his dad asked. He said, "Is this oh, going to kill him?" Gosh. And she said, "I can't Dang. tell you no." But she said, neurologically, it, it would be very unlikely. Yeah. So we're thinking we're coming out. All right. And she comes back. You know, an hour later, they did a CT scan, and she's like, "I'm so sorry, but he's had multiple strokes, um, and he's brain dead, basically." And so, you know, oh, from there. Gosh. Had he had the strokes in that amount of time? Mm-hmm. So as they started weaning him off the medicine, his body was saying, yeah. I can't. Yeah. He had a blood clot that broke off from his heart, and oh so gosh. it blocked the blood fr- flow to the brain. So we didn't know that till several days later, and that was a gift from the Lord too because the neurosurgeon actually called me two days later and was like, we finally know why this happened, and right. I thought you'd want to know, Yes, which was so kind. Yes, no kidding. You write in the book about that moment when you're at the hospital and the surgeries, they're saying there's going to be surgeries and you have to decide to call your parents and his parents. Yeah. We talk here sometimes about liminal space, like mm-hmm. the in-between. Yeah. What was that like? The like, oh, no, this isn't just, hey, we're at the hospital. This is y'all need to get on a plane. Yeah. How did you decide to call them? What What were you saying to yourself right then or to God? Honestly, I was trying to convince myself that it wasn't bad enough to have to call them. And right. I think that was just desperation. Um, but I also knew that I couldn't, in good faith, go through the night without telling them what was going on mm-hmm. just in case something did go wrong. Mm-hmm. So I called my parents first because I was less scared. <laughs> Certainly. To do that. And so I, I just, re- I remember my mom saying, like, if this were you, I would have wanted to know an hour ago, you've got to call Mark. <gasps> oh, gosh. And I was a like. Mom's gonna mom. A no, mom is I know, gonna mom. But I mean, she meant that sweetly She's to right. be like, yeah, don't wait. Yes. And so I did. And yeah, they came down, all of them the next day. So I'm very grateful. But it's just, you never imagine. And there's just yeah. something about it being in the middle of the night. Like, yeah, it would have been certainly just as hard at two in the afternoon. But it's just. Nobody not, wants their yeah, phone ringing in the middle of no, the night. No, especially not a parent. I can't right. imagine that, truly. Right. And it being you. Like, I know. My son's wife yeah. is calling yeah. me in the middle yeah. of the night. Yes. Yep. Are, what are they thinking and feeling they've expressed to you about this whole story now being Lemons on Friday, an actual book? I will try to get through this without crying, and I'm not a crier. But I will say both of my in-laws— who I'm still extremely close with. I'm so grateful. Um, they have wanted to wait until they have the hard copy that you have in front of you to yeah. read it. So they've yeah. read snippets like early on. Yeah. Um, but they haven't read it yet. But when 
it went on presale in yeah. September and I got to go speak at a couple of sort of widows events and wow. sent them some of the clips from that. And his dad texted me the night before the event, which was like two days after the book had been released um, for presale. And he said, you know, we are so proud of you. We always tell you that. But there is no better gift that you could give to a grieving parent than to continue to carry our son's story this way. Wow. And I just, I just like lost it. I mean, oh, and they, you know, they mean that. And I feel that. I think mm -hmm. part of why I'm so grateful that this is the first thing that I've ever been able to publish and put into the world is that he's a part of it. Yeah. You know? And I laugh with my friends because like, I know he's up there with Jesus and like elbowing all these relatives in heaven and being like, this is because of me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, of course it's because of you. And yeah. there's something sweet to me about that. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to share about another one of our incredible partners, Ritual. Gaps in our diet, things that we aren't getting enough of in the course of our regular eating habit are things we really shouldn't be ignoring. Over 97% of women between the ages of 19 and 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet, and 95% are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin was formulated based on exhaustive research to fill nutrient gaps in the diets of women ages 18 and older. It is formulated with nutrients to help support brain health, bone health, blood health, and provide antioxidant support. But Ritual didn't stop there. They invested in a gold standard university-led clinical trial to prove the impact of their Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin. And you guys, listen to these results. The Essential for Women 18 Plus was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. I am so glad I started taking my Ritual multivitamins, knowing that they're helping supplement what I might be missing otherwise. Not to mention they arrive like clockwork in the mail, so I never have to worry about running out. And each bottle comes with that little minty tab that you know I love, keeps the vitamins tasting and smelling minty fresh and not at all vitamin-y. So right now, Ritual is offering my friends, that's you, 10% off your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash that sounds fun and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at ritual.com slash that sounds fun. And now back to our conversation with Maddie. Your mom in the foreword, she is writing about the night before he passed away and she's praying and she says, his death will not be in vain. This had better be so big for your kingdom, Lord. And then she's, I would have lost my mind if my mother wrote something like this after this. What you hold in your hands, meaning the book, is just one confirmation to us as parents that my prayer is beginning to be answered and proof that God often uses great heartbreak and loss to reveal his unfolding purposes and will for our lives. I mean, like, do you feel that in your guts that this is God using your loss for greater purpose? Yeah, I do. I I think... Um, What's so precious to me about it is that I honestly don't remember if I wrote this in there or not. I hope I did. That we always, that was always our prayer from when we got engaged was like, use our marriage for the glory of the kingdom. Yes, you did. Yeah. And obviously that picture was nothing like how it played out. But yeah. 
the fact that that was hard for me for a while because that was where I felt most sort of betrayed by God in that we literally asked you, like, this is what we wanted our whole lives to be yeah. for you. Like, why would you not honor that? Yeah. And it just took a while for me to realize that his narrative for that just looked very, very different than the way ours did. And it doesn't make it any less true. And it doesn't mean that he's not answered it. He's actually probably answered it in the boldest way for the kingdom than, yeah. you know, if we had had 40 years together on earth ever could have answered That's it. awful though, right? Yeah. No, he knows how I feel about it. <laughs> the Lord. Knows. Yes. The Lord knows how I feel yeah. about it. <laughs> uh, you and Ben were married how long? 11 months? Yeah. 11 months. Yeah. And you spoke at his funeral. I did. I mean, how did you even know, how'd you even know what to say? I honestly didn't. I, um, it was, I use the word downloaded. It was truly like when we were coming back home that day after he had died and from we Florida, were all flying home. To, yeah. yeah. Or is his family from Tennessee as well? Yeah. Knoxville. Okay. Knoxville. That's right. Um, UTK. And everyone was sleeping and it was just, it was just a download. It was just these words that poured into my mind. And I think had I intentionally sat down and tried to know what to say, it wouldn't have happened and I would have been frustrated. And it was just, it was such a, it was such a confidence boost because the kindness of God to be like, here, here's everything. Yes. Here's the words. Here's the courage. Like all you have to do is physically stand up and go do it. Mm. And I will do the rest. And that's yeah. truly what it felt like. And I, I also knew that I could never sit there at the celebration of his life and not be part of that in an active way. Right, right. Throughout the book, the chapter tells, if you're okay with me, I'd love to read the questions that you yeah. put at each one. I think for our friends listening, these are so helpful, but there's one I want you to talk about. Oh, no. How did I get here? What do I do? There's other titles to it, but I'm just going to read the questions. How do I get here? What do I do now? Will I always hurt this much? Where is God? Does time really heal? Who am I now? Why does God allow suffering? How do I accept the loss? How do I move forward? And where is our hope? Where is our hope is the one I want you to talk about. Because the answer, the like box answer that everyone knows to say is Jesus. Yeah. Tell me like, are you sure? And how do you know? And how can you still have that hope? Yeah, I mean, that's great, Annie. It's like the most theologically loaded chapter. So I'm glad <laughs> no, I'm focused I think, on I, think, <laughs> I actually think that why does God allow suffering? No, we're going to skim over. No, yeah, I'm just kidding. No. We are going to talk about it. But. Those were the two that the editors were like, are you sure you want to do this one? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, 100% I'm, like, yes, I'm an Enneagram 3. Yes, I, I am. I will do it and do it right. I'm going to do it. No, I think it was so important to me to end with that yeah. question because that that is my entire desire for this is that in whatever circumstances a reader would find themselves where they can't see the hope. Yeah. If you can see it in the dumpster fire that has been the last three years of my life, then yes. I pray you can see it wherever you are. Mm. And I mean, obviously that answer is Jesus. I do give that. Yeah. yeah. But I think the reason it's Jesus is not like, it's not like a churchy answer just because I don't have anything else to say. It's that right. truly, I remember sitting or telling people after, shortly after the, funer the funeral, when I never knew this would happen, the yeah. book would happen. 
and saying, if the only thing anyone ever hears from my life is that when you sit in the front row of your husband's funeral and burial, like I did today, Jesus is the single only thing that matters. Like nothing else in the world could have carried me through that experience. And honestly, it's because of what Revelation says. It's like all bad things will come untrue. I think that's actually J.R.R. Tolkien. But it's a it's a paraphrase yeah. of there will be no mourning or crying yes. or tears. Yes. And there is nothing on this earth, there is nothing in me as a person that could have made something good out of what happened to me. Yes, yes. And at the end of the day, that that was my conversation with the Lord the whole time was, I'm not doing this if there's not purpose in it. I mean, it uh-huh. was honestly very entitled, but that's how I felt. Yeah. And I was like, I, the only way I can do this is if you help it heal other people. And it kind of like my mom's prayer in the forward. It's like the only way I can do this is if you stay with me and let me see that it's helping other people, that it's glorifying your kingdom, and that it can pull other people out of their pit because I'm not doing, I'm not having this be wasted. And he doesn't waste pain when we ask him to, even when it does sound entitled, you know, and demanding. And the only way that I could look at my reality and imagine it, being fruitful or imagine being content again or imagine being able to sit here and say, you know what, I would marry him a million times over again knowing how it was going to end because I see how good it's going to be for the world and for me and for my heart and for our family. And the promise that Jesus makes all things new is the only way I could picture it being good again. That's the truly the only hope there was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've said it before. Like, it's not, I don't mean it was, he was the last resort as in like, oh, Jesus no. was the last resort, but like, he's the only yes. resort in that situation. One of my, I, I really enjoyed the book and I use enjoy in like a very strange, not, <laughs> not sacred enough way. So I don't know a better word. I'm sorry. I'll take enjoy. But I, I am better for having been with the book. And in the end, you put prayer prompts, which I thought was awesome. And and I we love talking about prayer around here. Excellent. And and so I talk about it a lot. So I'm telling you this to say you blew my mind in one thing you said oh, wow. about prayer. You said any and every prayer ultimately reminds you and calls out to God, I can't do this alone. I was like, oh, that that's what I'm saying when I'm praying is I'm saying, yeah. I actually need you to intervene because I can't do this. Yeah. I, I didn't know. Do you know that because of loss? Yes. Or did you already know that? No, I didn't already know that. Okay. Yeah, I feel like that's something I haven't had to learn like that. I got to learn it because you taught it to me. And I hope that people hear that as a relief. Yes, you that's know? how I, I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, that's, yeah. that is exactly right. It's because I can't do it. Yeah. I can't do the things I need done. Yeah. Only he can. What does your prayer life look like now compared to when you and Ben were married? It is a more constant part of my life. Like when scripture says to be constant in prayer, couldn't possibly tell you where that is off the cuff, but it does. <laughs> It'll be in the show notes. It's also on Google. You if yeah, you that's right. It. That's so, right, everybody. I just think that it's such a it's, it's such a constant part of my rhythm now. Like it always was my morning time. It yep. always is like I'm laying down. That's how I calm down my mind is to talk to the Lord until I fall asleep. And now it's just like, Man, thank you, Lord, for that awesome parking place. And yeah. like, th- 
thank you for that breeze while I was walking and just, you know, I'm, please let me have patience in this conversation. And I think even more than just being more of a regular part of my day, I don't, this is going to be a weird thing to say, but it almost, it didn't make, it does not make prayer feel less sacred to me, but it makes it feel tremendously less formal. Wow. But in the less formal, it's almost more special. Yes. So that's, it's, it's a weird feeling. I guess it, it's like going from conversing with someone through writing letters to then constantly like Snapchatting them all day long. Wow. That's a great comparison. That's that's how I feel with prayer now. Yeah. The other interesting thing I loved you talked about in the book was the power of rest Mm -hmm. and how it helps you in grief. As an Enneagram 7, when I'm in pain, the number one thing I want to do is go to sleep. I want everything. I want to shut the whole system down. Yeah. And so when I'm in really hard seasons, I nap all the time mm. or I sleep a ton of hours. But part of that is uh, you called it placebos for pain. Mm-hmm. And so part of that sleep is that for me. Yeah. But that's not just rest. So what? how does rest speak to our friends who are grieving? Mm-hmm. How does rest help instead of, because I would think, Fill up your calendar. Yeah. Do more things. Why does rest help you grieve? Well, yeah, the fill up your calendar was definitely my tendency. Yeah. And I tried that on plenty of occasions. Yes. And that's not to negate distraction is a good thing. Like, you, I, I could not sit and just be in my feelings and my heartbreak and my sorrow all the time. Yeah. I didn't want to do that. It wouldn't have helped me. And so there is something to be said about keeping things on your plate to uh-huh. just keep being active, yes. you know, if you can. But I think the difference for me was understanding, okay, what are the things that I'm leaning on to just escape the feelings? And what are the things that I'm doing to slow down enough and to bring the Lord or bring other people into a still space wow. where I can feel the feelings but not be overcome by them. Like, I guess, I guess the rest became, I need to address whatever I'm feeling at this moment without needing a solution. Golly, Maddie. (laughs) Yeah. And that's awful. I'm a three. I want a solution to everything. But that sentence is so profound. Oh my gosh. Cause that's it, right? Cause you want to fix it. I like, if I'm going to feel all this, I better have a I better have a that A plus B equals C at the end of feeling all this. I went into my counselor's office the first time and basically was like, give me the steps. Like, give me a timeline. God bless her. She didn't even laugh. I mean, in retrospect, she could have. Yeah. And referred me elsewhere, but she did not. (laughs) Um, But it just, you you just, there's no formula. There's no linear way to grieve. And usually, like I said, the feelings aren't, there's no fix it. And they're not bad. They just are. And if you try to outrun them or try to, you know, find a temporary solution to them, they always come back. Yeah. That's the problem is that when you push your feelings down, you, they will come out somewhere. Oh, yes. 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 Mm -hmm. They will eventually come out in some form or fashion of your body. Rarely how you want them to. Yes. I think that was a huge part of grieving for me that was so helpful is that you have to, I had to learn how I was going to hurt. And I had to learn what my rhythm of working that out was. And everyone's is different. Yeah. But it took a while. That's the problem because the journey you are on 
no one's done before. People no. have lost people have lost spouses, but no one's lost Ben right as their husband. Yeah, at eleven months of marriage yeah. to a freak accident on a dock. Right, and so how do you maneuver it when it's hard to know who can lead you? I mean, I think it's like anything, you know, there's, I think it's important. It has been very important for me to have women ahead of me who have lost their husband early ish in sure. life, not necessarily yeah. 28, just because it sure. is a different experience. Yeah. And more so just to break the isolation that I felt like less so to give advice and more to say, Oh yeah, I remember that. Yes. You won't feel that way forever. Got it. And so anybody in the genre of what you've experienced yeah. helps you in some way. Truly. And I think it, yeah. the two big ways were, one, like breaking the isolation of what I felt because mm -hmm. you feel like you're the only 28-year-old widow in the world. Certainly. And affirming the things that I was experiencing. And then honestly, just looking, that was part of, that was part of speaking hope to myself is saying like, yes. their life is stable again. They have joy again. They've remarried. You know, and just knowing that that, cognitively knowing that was possible mm. for me, but never feeling it, you know, for a long time. So I had to look at their story and say, that's possible for me too. Wow. Yeah. In some of my areas of grief and pain, I find such hope. I, it, it's a balancing act. Tell me if you agree or disagree, but a balancing act of it is the loneliness of no one's experienced this. If I can replace that and go, what a gift that, that I, this is my story. And it's not like everybody else's. I like being the only Annie yeah. and that's lived through this. And there are people who know versions of what I know. Yeah. And so I can look to them yeah. to guide me. How have you found your family as support? Because again, that's something they've never been through either. Yeah. No, I mean, they were just, they were, I mean, wonderful and they were everything that I needed them to be on whatever day. I it think, does just sound like your people, your family, it went from reading the book, your family and your friends accidentally did it great. <laughs> they accidentally <laughs> right. did it amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. But not, I mean, and not without struggle. I don't want certainly. people to hear that it was easy because it certainly wasn't. And part of what is so... Uh, no one thinks this is easy. Just well, <laughs> yes. But, you know, part of, part of the struggle when a death is so tragic is that everyone's grieving him, but everyone's grieving something different. And right. so that was an interesting learning curve to understand, okay, how do I not try to edit my grief and my feelings and what oh, I need, which wow. I did because that's just how I'm wired. But I would find myself editing how I grieved and what I asked for based on whether I was with my family or his family or his friends because I didn't want to put more on them than they yes. already had, you know. And eventually, I think we all got to a safe and courageous and, like, vulnerable place where we all sort of knew how each other dealt with it and we knew, like, what were my healthy and unhealthy reactions? What yes. were their healthy and unhealthy reactions? And there was just this deep, deep, deep river of grace. And you honestly just learn to love each other almost in a different way than you ever wow. have before. Yeah. But yeah, I felt, I remember sitting with my counselor and her asking me why I needed other people to be able to handle where I was. And yeah. I kept trying to edit it to, right. like, 
make it easier for people yes. because when you when you become as familiar with your own story as I am with mine, you forget that sometimes, yeah, hey, I was actually widowed when I was 28, like knocks people off of their chair. Right. And it's just a we it's such a strange people say, what? story what? to carry yeah. and get familiar with. And you have to do that with your family and friends too. And but it it, it in a in a strange way became a very sweet way that I came to know each one of them on a deeper level. Yes. And we all healed in different ways at different times. Will you talk about the dreams your friends had from God? Yeah, it's so crazy. I I couldn't not put those in here. I mean, it's, it's oh. like miraculous. It's miraculous. And I'll say, I don't want you to talk about it because I want people to read it. Yeah. But as I'm reading, then at the end of the book, you have a dream. Mm -hmm. And I said, out loud here in front of her, oh, she had a dream. <laughs> and, I, and then I was like, oh, as the whole time I'm reading, I'm just getting tear. I was like, uh, and then she had a dream. Because I do totally think the Lord speaks to, I mean, the word says yeah. he does. Oh, absolutely. So you, two of your friends yeah. have really specific dreams about yeah. Ben after he dies. Yeah. We had, and those were really only a handful. I mean, I thankfully wrote most of the stuff down because I knew I wouldn't remember it. But yeah. I mean, within the first two to three months, there were no less than probably seven or eight close people to us who had very specific dreams that were always tailored to their relationship with him. Were they hesitant to tell you? Or were think, they like, I, I got to call her? I think they were kind of hesitant. Yeah that always fit their relationship with Ben and whatever that looked like. And the message was always, I'm home in heaven and I'm good. Like that that was always, <laughs> like one was with his, they called each other cousins, Caroline, yeah. which is who we met through. Yeah. And it was on their back patio where we met at a cookout six years ago. Uh-huh. And when one, you blew him off. When I blew him off. Yeah. Multiple <laughs> I times. love that. I was like, oh, she, and he, you said, call me in a month when yeah. I'm not dating the guy like, I'm dating what is, now. What kind of answer is that? <laughs> Like, I was like, this is when you know the Lord just handles it. Yeah. The Lord just puts you with the right person because you can say that kind of thing. And then yeah. he's, and then I'm spoiling your story. Three months later, he texts you and yeah. says, I gave you some extra months. Yeah. Can we go out now? I know. I was like, Ben, my guy, yeah. let's go. Literally persistent. Yeah. So persistent. But my cousin is a realtor. She had found the house that we bought together. Yeah. And it was, that dream was him and her looking at this beautiful home and being like, this is the best place I could ever imagine, like, living. And, but don't, like, Maddie can't see it yet. I'm going to wait here and, like, hold it down for her. And it's just, like, things like that. And then, so his best friend, Patrick, who they were college roommates, and he was in our wedding, Ben was in theirs, had a dream, no joke, the night of our first anniversary, like, woke up October uh -uh. 7, 2018, yes. three weeks after he died. And his wife sent it to me because he got up and wrote it down in the middle of the night. And it was this beautiful picture of him and then another one of our good friends. They were the only two that were in Florida with us when Ben had his accident. Oh, wow. And it was this whole vision of what he kept calling a garden and a wedding. And he said there was a feel about it that was like a funeral. But we were wearing the same tuxes that we wore at Maddie and Ben's oh, wedding. Gosh. And anyway, I won't tell the whole thing because but it's all the in there so but, people can read it. Yeah, yeah. But it was essentially his vision of how scripture says that Jesus is our bridegroom. And like yeah. Ben was standing where I should be standing in the wedding and ascending yeah. with Jesus. And just, I mean, that is wild. It 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 couldn't be more clear, yes. you know? And yes. just beautiful language and just to to hear that it was the, it was our anniversary, Annie, yeah. that he had this dream. Like yeah. 
Anyway, things like that, they sustained me through, yes. you know, those first months. And, and that's what I say in there is those things are not silly and those things don't downplay them because right. you think they sound crazy. They're the Holy Spirit and like yes. our Father loves us and it gives Him joy to give us those things because it makes us have peace that yes. other is transcends understanding. And yes. so I just say, ask him for what your heart needs. Yes. Ask him relentlessly. Hey friends, just taking a quick break to tell you about one of our amazing partners, Pros. You've heard me say it before, but Pros is the world's most personalized hair care. They take natural ingredients and combine them in innovative ways to give you clean hair care and amazing results. Their formulas offer new answers to your individual hair needs, not the same old mask solutions. I use Pros personalized shampoo and conditioner and have for several months and they've really made a difference in my hair. Y'all talk about it all the time on Insta Stories. It feels strong and silky and much more manageable and they smell amazing amazing and truly delivered the exact concerns I had for my hair. I love this shampoo and conditioner. The way pros came up with the formula that was right for me is the same way they'll find the one that's right for you. It's like a short online quiz you take, super simple to fill out. You just answer a few questions about the climate where you live, which I did not know mattered, your nutrition, your exercise habits, your concerns about your hair, things like that. And then by analyzing over 85 personal factors, pros determines a unique blend of ingredients to treat your exact concerns. Even after you receive your products, pros isn't content to personalize just once. They have a review and refine feature that I've really enjoyed that lets you kind of tweak your formula for any lifestyle or seasonal changes. I love that they prioritize quality and want to optimize your experience with every order. All Pro's ingredients are sustainably sourced, ethically gathered, and cruelty-free. They're also the first custom beauty brand to go carbon neutral. I'm a big fan of that. And they stand by their products. So if you're not 100% positive Pro's is the best hair care you've had, they'll take the product back, no questions asked. Pro's is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. So take your free in-depth hair quiz and get 15% off your first order today. So go to pros.com slash that sounds fun. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash that sounds fun to get your free in-depth hair quiz and 15% off. Pros has given over a million consultations with their in-depth hair quiz and you should be next, you guys. I also have one more incredible partner to share with you, Calm. As we approach the holidays, do you have travel plans for the first time in like a while? <laughs> I just got back from a quick work trip and as much as I love to travel, being in different than normal surroundings can make it hard to fall asleep, can't it? Well, with Calm Sleep Stories, you'll be well rested on your next vacation or work trip. We partner with Calm, the number one mental health wellness app to give you the tools that improve the way you feel. You can clear your head with guided daily meditations and improve your focus with Calm's curated music tracks and drift off to dreamland with Calm's imaginative sleep stories. And if you go to calm.com slash that sounds fun, you'll get a limited time offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programming. And new content is added every week. Over 100 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds. For our friends, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash that sounds fun. Just go to calm.com slash that sounds fun for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash that sounds fun. And now let's go back to our conversation with Maddie. Some of my hardest days, I say, can I have a dream tonight? Yeah. It would help me so much if when I'm sleeping, you, and, right. and I probably in my whole life, I probably have four that I 
remember that I know are from God. Yeah. But I don't dream for other people. Do you ever dream for other people? Do you ever go, hey, I, hey, Craig, let me call you and tell you this thing that I saw? Or I like your friends can't did? think of an instant. Yeah, me either. Also, your dream is worth the price of admission. People need to buy <laughs> lemons on Friday just to read it's, your it's dream. It's insane. I, I, like, <laughs> I'm telling you, I said, like, oh, she had a dream. I, I could not believe it. Yeah. Like, now, tell me some other things you know, like you know, like you know that God has done to sustain you since losing Ben. I think, obviously, you know, with Nashville, I'm very vocal and have communication with a lot of widows, especially yeah. younger ones. Yeah. And I think for a while, I was very resistant. Like, I didn't want to be that. Like, mm -hmm. I didn't want to be the young widow ambassador because mm -hmm. that sucks. Yes. But, like, I sat across the table at Starbucks last Friday with a young woman who is 27 years old and lost her fiancé in May, and she's good friends with one of my younger sisters. Mm -hmm. And she was coming in town to go to the first wedding she'd had to go to and be in since he passed away. Yes. And I sat across from her and I I, I felt such a palpable, just kind of like almost gentle, sweet, I told you so nudge from the mm. Holy Spirit. And wow. like, I told you this would matter. And like the book matters, but like this woman yes. sitting across from you, if she were the only reason this mattered, this is why I let your story be what it is. Yes. And it, it was just, I felt full. Like I felt, I, I felt like my heartbreak for her, but mm. I also could sit there and look at her, Annie, and be like, yeah, I remember that. Yes. But that won't always be debilitating for you. And like you will go to y'all's place again and you'll feel joy 90% more than you feel pain. And yeah. I promise you, you'll get there. Yeah. And that's, uh, it's priceless. Like it's priceless. Like it's it's unbelievable to see that and mm -hmm. feel like I'm the person you chose to be able to let this young woman get through this weekend and take another step. You know, yes. it's a club you didn't want to be a part of. Yeah, for sure. But every I mean, I, I have a friend who has been through infidelity in her marriage, and and she'll get phone calls like that. Yeah. And I mean, we were at a we were at a I don't know at the library or something with the kids and her kids one day and a mom I didn't know walked up and said can we get coffee yeah and I thought oh we we all know what club you're in yeah and and it is such a gift yeah it is right I mean I deal with that to to a degree with women who aren't married yet yeah and yeah. who just like is there anyone who can help me get to yeah. tomorrow in this story yeah so thank you for doing that for that younger woman. Oh my gosh. It, I was like on cloud nine and I was like, I feel very strange because I feel excited about that conversation, yeah. but I also feel so mad for her that she's got to do this yes. too. Yes. Yes. Because you're like, you're at the front of the marathon. Yeah. I know how hard the first mile is yeah. and I'm mad you have to be in the first mile. But I also think I just know now how kind God is because like if huh. he made... If he made the highlight parts of our story, like the things that we did well, that's not a good story. Like right. he literally uses the worst. He uses what was intended for evil for good. And like mm. that's a miracle you can see in anybody's life if you yes. look closely enough, you know? Well, you talk about you have a whole section that I, I mean, you just, you write songs too, right? I have written a song. Okay. Because, like, you just have lyrical language mm. so often that I'm like, 
you've got to be writing this song. The Little Funerals for My Future. Will you talk about that? I think everyone has a, my tiny version of that is mm-hmm. my counselor when I turned in my 30s, she said, you need to grieve that you were never a wife or a mom in your 20s. Mm. Right? Yeah. So there, I had to have these little funerals for the yeah. future I'll never have. As And the same ended up being true for my 30s. Yeah. So will you talk about the importance of doing that, the little funerals for your future that you had to do? So what's funny about this is this idea. Page 121 (laughs) for anybody who would like to be reading along. This idea actually also came from a dream that I had that (gasps) is not in the Maddie, Holy Spirit stuff. Let's Um, go. Yeah, because I could not for some reason, communicate the dream as concisely as my editors would have liked. So, <laughs> They're like, we're going to yeah, cut the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, uh-huh. They're like, <laughs> and you can scrap tell this, <laughs> just get to the point. And I was like, great. Okay. Too many dreams in the book? Right. This is okay. not a dream book. Got it, got okay. it, got it. Great. All right. Um, but it did come from one. And I remember at some point just, I don't know. I, I hate, I talk about this too. I hated the term widow. I honestly still do. And Why? because it feels permanent. Because it Yikes. is permanent. Yes, of course. And it feels like something I'm a victim of that won't ever go away. Wow. And I hated that. Yes. And yet again, something awful the Lord is redeeming in a lot of ways. Yeah. And we're still working through the fact that I hate it. But yeah. uh, but I... I love that about you, by the way. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I just love that about you, that you're not like, I'm not great with it. No, I... And he's I, aware I'm not great with it. <laughs> yeah. we There are no hidden feelings yes. from me and yes. God anymore, I, I promise. I love that about you. I had a dream that I was, I haven't thought about it in a while, but it was at a funeral that I thought was his funeral, but it was very visceral in the fact that it had like the fake little like turf grass that they put around grave sites and many of my people were there and I was standing there very overwhelmed not knowing, like thinking it was his funeral, but not really knowing what was going on. And I was wearing his um, National Turkey Federation sweatshirt, which is still my favorite one that I wear. Yeah. And I remember just walking away from it in the dream and like running to sit under this tree and being like, I can't do this. And in it, he came, Ben came to me and just like hugged me like a really like soft, gentle, like you can do this hug. And he said, he was like, you have to bury this. And I was like, no, I've already done this. I'm not burying you again. Like right. I can't. Not and even in my dreams, sir. No, I know. Not thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. And just a simple like kiss me on the head and you can do this, I promise. And then sort of like going back over to the gravesite and everyone being gone and me having two like pieces of paper in my hand that one said wife and one said widow. And I had to bury them. Like I threw them into the ground and I was like, I have to lay down. I have to bury this desire and label of being your wife and I have to bury it. And also I have to be willing to accept this title of widow, but also not let it define my life and like putting that in too. And so that's sort of where the idea came from. And it was that, you know, when you lose someone, especially early in a marriage, you have to grieve and you have to bury and you have to accept that every plan and every kid that you planned and all the trips that you wanted to do and the stuff that you envisioned for your life, it kind of dies too, even though it wasn't real. I mean, it's just such a strange sensation to feel like 
you're losing something you never really had. And that's kind of what the little funerals were like for me. And I mean, that's with any change in life. Yes. We can't help but project what we want to happen to happen. And when it doesn't. I think it's supposed to a little bit. I think we're supposed to because I think God gave us an imagination for a reason. I have one dream that I am so sure is coming in my life that I pray toward that. I mean, I don't pray to that dream, but you know what I mean? I go, God, that thing I dreamed one time. Yeah. I want, yeah. I keep us walking towards that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think our imaginations are meant to be on behalf of us. Yeah. Spiritually, oh, for right? sure. For so sure. So that's why, to me, that's why that loss feels so profound soft as I'm like, yeah. no, I've actually seen this in yeah. my head. I saw the whole thing. Well, and I think that that's, it's crucial to heal because for me, the importance of those little funerals was I know I'm going to live into a continued life that's mine without him in it because he's not here. So every time I kind of took a step forward, something would come up that I felt like I need to really pause and take some time and let my heart break that this isn't going to be this way. And Mm. then I can keep going. Wow. Does it still happen? Still. It's only been three years. Yeah, I think so. How, How many of his sweatshirts do you still have? (laughs) Um, I mean, I have a lot of them, but there's, there's probably just one or two in a, in the rotation. Um, every bit of like 10 to 12 flannels because (laughs) I mean, great shirts. Yeah. Like what women's flannels, who wears women's flannels? (laughs) It shouldn't even be a thing. Um, more flannels than sweatshirts. Yeah. Yeah. When you have like, because I never met Ben, tell me what, I, what I missed out on. Tell me the best things about him. What, why, why would we have loved being friends? Oh my gosh, Annie, y'all would have probably never heard what the other was saying because (laughs) you would both be laughing and talking constantly. Um, I would just stay home and let y'all go run off and do all the activities because I would be so exhausted physically. Um, honestly, they're like, I've never, I've never thought the world was more amazing than when I've watched him watch it. Like, Wow. My mom jokes that everything that Ben did, saw, heard, tasted, experienced was phenomenal. Like we could go you to the gas he station. Seven? He was a, I don't want to say the biggest seven because I don't want to hurt your okay. feelings. No, no, no. He, you can say he's the but, biggest seven. Um, yeah. Like we could stop at oh, the shell great. to get gas and like get one of those hot dogs out of the thing. And uh-huh. Annie, it was phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> And we would it would go back in and tell the cashier. Oh, you have to go back in. You have to go back in. This hot dog is, sir. Thank you for your service to this country. (laughs) Like, they're just there was a bigness of life. That's what I say in there. The abundant life that God has for us has nothing to do with how much stuff you have or what you're even doing. It's just is your heart open to love and enjoy everything around you? And he just he just had his heart open. It is my favorite thing about eternity. Eternity freaks me out. My favorite thing is I get to be friends with the people yeah. that my my people love. Yeah. And I'm like, great. Ben and I have got forever. Oh, yes. We've got forever to be too loud <laughs> yeah, in the same yeah, place. Yeah. And to, for him to show us around yeah. and all and the have things. have the best phenomenal hot dogs. Oh my gosh, we're going to eat so many hot dogs. You don't even know how much I feel about hot dogs. Surely no calories in hot dogs. Certainly. Watch me not care. Heaven or earth, I do not care. With every hot dog. I can't wait. I can't wait. (laughs) I hope they're all at gas stations. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be great. I I just, I want you to hear me say how much I honor you putting your heart out here. I think there are going to be so many women and men who read Lemons on Friday, trusting God through my greatest heartbreak, and will find hope literally for the first time. Whether it's been 
six weeks or six years yeah. or longer. I think this is such a hope-filled book. Um, the other story, we're out of time, but the other story I'm, I wanted you to tell that I, people just have to buy it, besides your dream, is the wedding bouquet story. Oh, oh my gosh. Annie. My gosh. Can you believe it? No. No, this we, is, a great I, this is terrible to do to episode. people, but I, sorry. No, I couldn't. I, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's unreal. That is, the, the Lord's kindness and just saying, constantly saying to you, I see you. Yeah, I that, see that's you. it, yeah. honestly. I think that's, that is one of the most miraculous parts of walking through something so devastating and life-altering is that when you are so desperate to see the Lord everywhere, he is everywhere. Yes. And he's tender and he's personal and he's around every corner. And I think a lot of my prayer since then, speaking of prayer, has been don't let me lose that sharpened eyesight. Like mm -hmm. don't let me lose the spiritual discipline of wanting to see you everywhere. Yeah. Because yeah. it's so good. when yeah. you like, That's phenomenal. That's yeah. truly that's phenomenal. better than a gas station. Yes, dog. it is. Yes. It is. I'll tell you what I always tell people the night before their book releases. I hope you all celebrate tonight. Yeah. Because the Monday night before the book comes out on Tuesday is when you've been obedient. Mm. How it does this week, I, I, I almost said millions of people. I don't doubt it. Millions of people are going to read this. Great. God puts yeah. books in hands. We want him to use it. Yeah. Tonight, the night before it comes out, is your obedience. Yeah. You've done everything. You can't do anything That's else. That's so good. So I hope you all celebrate real big tonight. Thank you. And um, just celebrate your obedience because tonight it goes from yours to ours. Yeah. Tomorrow when it comes out, now Ooh. it's everybody's. Yeah. So for our friends listening today, knowing your book comes out tomorrow, when they pray for you today, oh. what do you want people to pray? Honestly, I think they just pray that I don't, my heart stays open to whatever comes from this. And as we said at the beginning, I don't know what that's going to be. Yeah. I I hope it's something else in this area of being able to be a light to people. I, I don't know what that's going to look like, but I think it's keeping my heart open to whatever, you know, God has for me professionally and personally. It's a weird, it, it's very weird to be a 31-year-old widow in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. Do you want to get married again? Absolutely. Okay. So we can pray for that too? Yeah, okay. definitely. I would love for us to do that. Definitely. We will do that as a friend group. Um, is there anything we didn't say about the book or about your story that you want to make sure we say? I think we hit, I think we hit some high points. I mean, knowing Ben loves hot dogs from a gas station <laughs> is like the win to me. Well, the last question we always ask, you know, because the show is called That Sounds Fun. Tell me what sounds fun to you. You know what sounds really fun? Curling up with a copy of Lemons on Friday. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I don't want to read that book ever again. I, I believe um, it. <laughs> as you understand. It takes it. You have to read it a lot of times uh -huh, a before lot of times. it comes out. You know what? I I have always been a pyromaniac. Yeah? And not really in like an arsenal kind of way. But like in a kind of firework way. kind yeah. of way? No, no, no. In like, I'm just enthralled by fire. Like I could sit mm. and watch it for hours. And I think... Um, what sounds fun to me is being at a bonfire yeah, with a glass of red wine in a cozy, you know, turkey sweatshirt or flannel. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's Christmas time. Yeah. Um, what's your red wine of choice? Or Thanksgiving time. It is Thanksgiving it's time. Thanksgiving time. Yeah. But it's, it's holiday time. Holiday season. Yes. Um, I love Italian red wine, just okay. about any type. Okay. Barolo is my snobby answer. It's okay. fabulous. Okay. But any Italian red is my jam. Okay. Italian reds. Great. Yeah. Um, Maddie, thanks for doing this. I'm oh my gosh, so yeah. glad to be your friend. It means a lot to me that you made time for this. I, so thank you. It is an honor to share this here in your space. And you 
always hold everyone's stories so generously and I'm happy to share it. It's very sweet. guys, isn't she just the best? Oh my gosh, I just adore her. She's so um, wise, so honest. Oh my gracious. And I'm telling y'all, get the book just to read the stream that she had. I mean, read the whole thing, but I'm telling you, it is worth it for the story of her wedding bouquet present that she received and the dream that she had. It is, it was, it blew my mind. It really did. God is incredible. Be sure you grab your copy of Lemons on Friday. I am telling you, I think you're going to love it. And go follow Maddie. Tell her thanks for being on the show. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today. Friends, go out or stay home. Do something that sounds fun to you. I'll do the same. Today, what sounds fun to me is my fridge is all the way empty, so I would like to go to the grocery store. That sounds fun to me, so I'll be doing that today. Have a great couple of days. We'll see you back here on Wednesday with a pod favorite and a personal favorite, David Crowder himself. We'll see you on Wednesday. <laughs>